0: And welcome back to the out to be podcast. On today's episode, I'm talking with Anita Faye. Anita is a multi-talented singer-songwriter who defines herself as a late bloomer and an explorer of some of life's deepest issues. She explores these hard topics on her full-length album called Kingdom Journey, and will also be playing one of the songs off of this album at the very end of the episode, so be sure to listen to the end. I was really excited to talk to Anita because when she wrote me to be on the podcast, she mentioned that she came from a Christian upbringing and how that has affected her life. And I thought immediately that there are a lot of parallels in how both religion and the music industry deal with mental health. And it's honestly, it's still a little bit taboo to talk about it and to outwardly seek help in both of these cultures. I grew up with a catholic upbringing i went to catholic school in basically my whole life except for college so i know what it's like to be in that kind of environment i i never ever was taught about any of this stuff through all of my schooling at least not that i can remember and it was something that i had to figure out for myself i could never really go to my faith quote unquote um i don't really call it that because I just don't. But I could never really go to that as a place to seek help on this particular topic. And I think that for a lot of people, at least based on my own experience, I think it, other people might feel the same, that it can kind of make you distant from that if you do grow up as a person of faith or if it's something that you're trying to explore. When you don't have the support within that to be able to go to... Um, people in your community or go to church or things like that and feel that support and help and guidance on issues regarding mental health. And not only that, but you might feel suppressed to talk about it and like you can't even talk about it or bring it up, then it can really be discouraging and it can really draw you away from that faith. So, Anita and I have a really interesting discussion all about this and how this parallels to the music industry, how this taboo culture that we have um that we've built can really relate to each other. Now, we talk about a lot of things in this episode from depression to suicide, suicidal ideations, um, as well as miscarriages. It all starts about 15 minutes in. That's when we really get into things. But I do want to warn you guys, if any of these topics are triggering for you, to just skip over those parts or at, at least simply just be aware that it is coming. It's a really raw and honest discussion and Anita shares Her story, her background, and her thoughts on all of this in such a genuine way. She's so, so amazing to talk to, and I can't wait for you to hear the episode. But I do want you to be aware that these topics will be coming up. But again, that's not something we shy away from on this podcast, so if you're listening, hopefully you know that. Alright, before we get into it, I want to remind you guys to listen and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts which you're already doing if you're listening right now, and hopefully you are subscribed to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. And be sure to share it with a friend who you think might enjoy it and follow us on Instagram at OutToBePodcast. I would love for you to share your takeaways on Instagram or Instagram stories and tag us in it so we can see how you're liking the episodes and what your favorite part is. And that's all the housekeeping I've got for you. So here is my episode with Anita Faye. Hello Anita and welcome to the out to be podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have you here today. Today we're going to talk all about dealing with mental health and depression in an environment where it may not outwardly be accepted or spoken about. And this specifically, uh, in this conversation will mean the Christian faith, but I think it also parallels very much to the music industry. So I'm excited to get started today. Let's start by just having you introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, so I'm Anita Faye.
1: I'm an instrument uh, <laughs> I'm an inspirational/gospel slash singer-songwriter and I live in Las Vegas. So how did you originally get into music? Uh it's good question. I started singing since before I can remember. My mom tells me stories of how she thought at different points in time someone may have broken into the house <laughs> cuz she heard noises coming from my room, but it was just, <laughs> I was literally just in my like crib entertaining my stuffed animals. I think they were my first audience, my first concert. So um, I've been singing really before forming words and I grew up in church environment. And so Mm -hmm. I was singing in church pretty much all my life from youth choirs to um, a young adult choir, to community choirs, to um, even, you know, choirs at school. Um, And I, played instruments for a while. I was in the band, uh, including playing clarinet. Uh, so music has really always been a part of my life for sure.
0: That's awesome. What other instruments did you play besides clarinet or was that it? In-
1: I started on violin, believe nice. it or not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I believe and- it. I I also had a brief stint in violin that lasted <laughs> about in fifth grade. There was, um, you could take violin or Uh, chorus in my Catholic high school and my mom forced me to take violin and I was like, I just want to sing. I want (laughs) to play this terrible instrument. And now my sister actually plays violin now and she's taken it a little bit further and I will play with her on piano while she's playing. And my mom was like, remember when you attempted to do that? And I was like, yeah, it was terrible (laughs) for me. Yeah, for some people it's great,
1: and me it, me and the violin just never became BFFs, you know, yeah. it's like, it just did not happen. It's a hard um,
0: instrument, and it's like, it sounds so beautiful when you're good at it, but when you're not good at it, and as a child, when you're definitely, like starting out and not good at it is (laughs) I don't have the
1: patience for this. It's definitely like nails on a chalkboard if you're not good at it.
0: (laughs) Yeah for sure and you've released your own music as well so can you tell us we'll get into this a little bit more later but can you tell us a little bit about uh, your recent releases? Yeah so the new project that I have is called Kingdom Journey and it's I'm super proud of
1: it because it's a collaboration with other um, singer, songwriter, producers, um, and it's really just sort of this um, collage, if you will, of different areas of my faith walk and my life's journey, and it really, in a fresh way, just talks about how, you know, it's okay not to just say, hoorah, life is great all the time, because sometimes it's not and you have to deal with those moments when it's you're in a low place and you know how do you sort of pull yourself out of that um but it's definitely um a 13 track full album so it's not an ep my prior project was an ep this one is uh more like let's just go for it (laughs) put out a bunch of different singles um and it was released in the fall of last year and right now we're just you know, really, you know, getting the word out and just uh, trying to expand upon a lot of the themes and the topics that are contained in it.
0: That's great. And like you said, it touches on themes of people who are struggling uh, with mental health. So I'd like to talk about your own story and your own struggle with depression. Can you share a little bit about that? And when you first kind of thought you might be struggling with mental illness?
1: Yeah, so what's really interesting as I'm an adult and I can look back over life now is... I grew up with separated parents. And my my mom and my father got divorced when I was really young. Um, I was born in Tennessee, actually. And my mom was from California originally. So when they split up, we moved back to California. Um, And he was not actually a presence in my life, um, which is unfortunate. We've mended fences a long time ago. but it's taken a long time for me to also, you know, get to a point of forgiveness, partly because I felt he was supposed to live to a higher standard since he's a preacher, <laughs> you know, yeah. so that, that whole religious theme, you know, continuing to play itself out. But, um, you know, when you go through as a young woman, as um, I think women in particular, when you don't have that male presence in your life as a father um, figure who teaches you self-acceptance and love and really how to interact with the um, opposite sex, it it leaves you sort of confused as you're navigating other relationships in your life. Um, And so I think for anyone that's dealt with a separation of a parent, Or, um, you know, struggling to understand, well, why wasn't I good enough for you to, you know, be a part of my life? Why did you abandon me? Those issues continue to play themselves out. Um, And when we moved back to California, we stayed with my grandparents, and my grandfather was an alcoholic. And as most people understand, alcohol is a depressant. It's not. You know, it's not one of those, let's get, you know, to the, the rooftops and really feel like we're on cloud nine. Alcohol is a depressant. And I do strongly believe that people who succumb to alcoholism have some form of depression that has gone untreated, unrecognized, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes swept under the rug. And so my family certainly dealt with our share of um, heartache concerning his um, behavior. And I mean, this was a man who um, was strong in his own right, but certainly had some demons. And if he ran out of uh, regular alcohol, I'll call it, he would scour the house for cough syrup, like anything that had alcohol in it, Yeah, um, which should go to speak to just to how extreme um, it can get for some people. So you know I watched my grandmother or my mother sort of cope with that codependent uh, mode um, and it it just leaves you scarred in different ways that you're not able to fully um, express but so you take that combination of things where you the the other father figure that's in your life is not really there because of his own demons that he's wrestling um, your primary father figure is absent in your life um, you go through bouts of um, just wondering, you know, where your place is in the world. Um, there's the whole fitting in with, you know, your um, peers and school and uh, peer pressure and, you know, all of that starts to weigh on a person. I um, am not um, ashamed to admit that even in high school I went through about with with, um, bulimia and you know your whole self image issues come into play and and it's a tough time to be a teenager to begin with I mean you know come on there's a lot of pressure just to try to keep up and um, forge your own identity but when you've got this sort of amalgamation of things that are pestering your brain um, it doesn't always play out well and you definitely um, exhibit different forms of depression in, in different
0: ways. Absolutely. So I know you mentioned uh, your father was a preacher and while he wasn't an active presence in your life at that time, necessarily, uh, what did it look like growing up in Christian culture for you?
1: Yeah, good question. So for me, you know, my mom, my grandmother were very um, into the Christian faith tradition, and we went to church every week every Sunday, sometimes multiple times a week, uh, depending on what type of um, meetings were taking place or Bible studies or what have you and mm-hmm. we were very involved um, in the youth department and um, you know so those those were things that actually helped to I think give us um, a bedrock of stability um, and it meant I also had sort of this extended community and extended family of people who um, really embraced and loved us, and and were part of our larger clan, if you will. Um, So I have really good memories of that, with the exception of, uh, you know, the stigmas that sometimes come from uh, people who are, while well-intentioned, perhaps are a little bit misguided in their... um, direction to people in terms of what it means to exhibit a life that is supposed to be symbolic of christianity right and there there are certain standards that um it's they're impossible for any human being to live up to yeah people sort of tout across the pulpit oh you should do this and you shouldn't do that and thou shalt and thou shalt not and you're forgetting about just sharing the good news and what grace and forgiveness is about. And just the bottom line of all of it is love. <laughs> Where's the message yeah. of love, you know, um, those things can be grossly missing. And, and that's, what's really sad is, um, uh, while, There's a message there that is supposed to be shared. It gets overshadowed a lot by all of these other more dogmatic things like you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And if people get browbeaten enough, um, then they'll
0: believe, well, I'll never measure up. I'll never be good enough for anything. Right. Can you give some examples of like what they were saying you should or shouldn't be doing that maybe affected you, especially when you were dealing with your mental health? yeah so a great
1: example of this. Um, I will say, without specifically saying the the name of the denomination, um, for a long time, we grew up in a Pentecostal church.
2: Okay. Um,
1: and if people don't know, it's really a very expressive um, type of uh, worship experience in that church and and people um, uh, have a very um, strict typically strict set of guidelines in terms of how women are to dress um, and not just women, but men too, to to be fair. Um, But in terms of like guidelines for dressing a certain way and and dress codes, um, I grew up when there were things as insignificant as how much of your arm was showing. Right. Mm. And even for women, it was an era where you're not supposed to wear pants and um you know pants were deemed to be um somewhat demonic and you know they revealed too much of your figure and wow. uh, yeah like you, and you're looking around on the schoolyard and your kids uh, the other kids are wearing shorts and pants and uh jeans and normal <laughs> everything <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> right yeah We're, we'll just live in our lives um but you're not supposed to carry that into the church environment you're not supposed to show up wearing that kind of stuff right Thankfully, fast forward today, there's a broader acceptance and a better understanding and a proper, I think, interpretation of what the scriptures actually teach about appearance. Um, But there are still certain religious uh, belief systems out there that would educate people to say, you're not supposed to embrace um, your physique, your curves, your body, uh, wearing wearing things that could be misconstrued as uh, intentionally revealing when that person probably is not at all um, the case for a lot of people and what they choose to wear. Um, my mom, who also prior to having us grew up in that same uh, church dynamic, um, when she got pregnant with my older sister, um, she actually wasn't married at the time. And it, subsequent to that, they did get married, my, my mom and my father, but she had to stand before the church and apologize. Wow. Like literally, I'm sorry, you know, for. In front of
0: everybody? In
1: front of the whole church. Wow. Meanwhile, he was nowhere on the scene.
0: Yeah.
1: There, he didn't have to also stand and give an account for, I don't know if the intention was to say, you know, we've embarrassed the church and this isn't what, you know, we um, teach. And so I don't know what, I could never really guess why that was the the real sort of um, protocol at the time mm-hmm. it's it fascinated me to hear her share you know that she had to embarrass herself further on top of whatever shame or guilt or um self-bashing she was already dealing with to have to stand for people as the female and wow. say to everyone i'm really sorry for having done this Dude, people get pregnant all the time. Sometimes it's not planned. Oftentimes it's not planned. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if that aligns or doesn't align with your particular religious viewpoint on how it should happen. Mm -hmm. Children are still a blessing, you know. And um, that is the type of influence, I guess you could say, that crept into the way I looked at the world the way I looked at, you know, how people interact and relate to each other, and especially how, you know, a religious body would somewhat dictate how people are supposed to operate in life and mm-hmm. and behave and, and give some level of accountability.
0: Yeah. So how old were you when you thought you might be struggling with depression?
1: Probably around the high school time frame. Um, and you know, I saw And it happens uh, for all of us, I think at some point. I had a classmate who committed suicide. He actually took a shotgun to his head, his father's gun. Everyone was devastated. I also had a pretty close friend who was dealing with depression, and um, she took pills um, at school, and the paramedics had to be called in. Um, And I remember saying to her, not more than two days prior to this incident, because we were joking about something and she said, Oh yeah, well, I'll probably di- die too young to even, you know, see something like that happening. And I just looked at her and I said, you're not going anywhere. What are you talking about? And I didn't yeah. really think anything of it. I didn't put two and two together. Yeah. Yeah. But when she attempted, you know, to take her own life and she was saying she was just, you know, dealing with all of these issues and um, not feeling like she was good enough part of me totally could understand and relate to that. And I have definitely been in a low place where I've, um, you know, said, well, you know what, it's easier than dealing with this and getting to the point of shopping around and looking to see, well, what's my best option and, you know, what kind of, you know, concoction would make the most sense and um, how would I – leave a letter and explain and express myself to my family and then you start thinking about what are the reactions of people what would they likely say how would that make them feel Um, and inevitably something or someone would come along that would sort of jar me out of that place and help me to realize you know what there are people that are dealing with worse than you and there's always been something that's triggered the better side of life right where sometimes you don't see anything except for that dark cloud that you're in the middle of yeah even if you have people saying oh it's not that bad you'll get you'll get through whatever you're dealing with and it all just sounds like gibberish honestly when people are in a super super low place and they've decided that's it i'm checking out i can't do this anymore um you're not really listening to common sense a rational argument. You're just thinking that's all good for you, but I've been dealing with this for too long and it doesn't feel good. And I don't know a permanent solution to this. I want to be in a healthier place, but I'm not really able to see what you're seeing. You know, you have a more sense of reality in those moments. Um, and you know, those are the things that we don't really talk about. It, it's easy for someone to come along and say, oh, just snap out of it, right? Or, you know, it, uh, I don't even know. You don't even understand what you have going for you. Yeah, you're right. When people are in that state.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh. that's exactly the problem. I, yeah, like, yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're exactly right. You're not going to convince them of whatever <laughs> you're trying yeah.
0: to say. But I, that's the bottleneck, yeah. Yeah, I I struggle with anxiety. And one of the things I hate the most is people who are very close to me who truly, truly do mean well, but they just don't understand will often say like, oh, just relax. It's going to be fine. And I'm like, oh, don't you think I would love to just relax? <laughs> like if I could just relax. Like, yeah, that, that'd be great. <laughs> if I could yeah. just like, well, let me just snap my fingers and just relax. But like, yeah. it's way more than that. And It's frustrating even to have to explain to people like, no, like, I understand that you mean well and you're trying to help, but that's not going to help. If I could just take the like easy way out, quote unquote, and like, just relax or just realize what's good around me, then this wouldn't be an actual issue, but it is. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And sometimes when you've, you know, everyone encounters disappointment, setbacks, um, you know, and you do ultimately recover from them the longer you live you learn that but you know even coming up in a faith tradition and when things that you are perhaps praying about or or seeking answers about don't really happen or happen in the way that you would have hoped those are also some triggers for people and that's why I think it's it's sad that it's not more openly, you know, talked about in different religious settings, like for me, and this is one of the things that I do talk about in that song, um, the first song on my project, I Gotta Know, is, you know, I I had a miscarriage. And that's another thing that um, we don't really talk much about. Miscarriage has been a silent um, uh, depression subject for people because it's not visible in many cases. By the time you lose the child, it's the first trimester or beginning of the second trimester, which was the case for me, you may not be showing in in, in a way that everyone um, understood that you were even carrying. Right. Um, And then you're sort of suffering in silence. And then on top of that, if you're like, Oh, you know, where is God in this? And if you weren't able to get pregnant after that, like in my case, you do struggle with answers to questions that you'll probably not have concrete answers for. You know, I've learned a lot later in life that genetic abnormalities are um, are things that um, a lot of people deal with. Um, and it's not your fault, so to speak, but you still kick yourself thinking, could I have done something different? Was I not healthy enough? Did I not do this? And should I have done more of that? And um, those are things that can also sort of move the needle in the wrong direction for people Mm -hmm. that may be susceptible to entering that dark place, you know, and in those moments of depression.
0: Yeah. So I'm wondering how you dealt with it and, and how you might uh, give advice for other people who are, dealing with something difficult they're going through and maybe they do turn to faith and and pray on it but then it still doesn't seem to get better or it still doesn't seem to like you said get better in the way they want it to what next steps did you take when that, when you were going through that and what would you maybe say to someone who's going through the same thing i would say don't tune everyone out because that's
1: a huge risk um you know when you're already in a low place and you do have people who are well-meaning and well-intentioned that even though they're, you know, speaking things that are not necessarily connecting with you Mm -hmm. um, because you're like, but you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't really get it. Um, Don't just totally shut those people out. You know, know that they are still coming from a good place. They may not have a clue how to relate to what you're dealing with. They may not have gone through what you're, you've dealt with or what you're going through and that's okay. And you can just keep saying that over and over again, but you don't get it. You don't get it. Well, just try a little bit to tell them and, and ask them, you know, don't judge me. Just, just let me vent just that. If you want to really help me, don't try to tell me or convince me that I'm crazy or I should really recognize, you know, that things really are not as bad as they seem. Because for me right now, I'm not hearing that. Like that's, you just got to let me go through this process. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say to, The worst thing that people can do is truly, truly shut down and go to a place where you don't allow people to even have interactions with you, to be in your space, because that's when people are, in my opinion, most susceptible and most vulnerable. Um, And it's okay for people to not get it. You You get it. And that is your truth. That is your reality. You can own what you're experiencing. And that's completely fine. Don't expect everyone to get it because they're not going to. Yeah,
0: that is such an important distinction because I think it's so true. I mean, we were saying before, oftentimes people will give advice that to you is just like, okay, thanks, (laughs) thank you for trying, but that's not gonna work. But that's not to say that you shouldn't still uh, open up to those people and allow them in and allow them to know what you're going through because I am of the mindset that if you do talk through what's happening, Without, like, you don't need to receive advice, but sometimes just getting it out there and knowing that someone else knows what you're going through will help you move forward. Exactly, exactly. And I think
1: conversations like this help a lot, you know, that people just need to know, even if everyone can't relate to what they're dealing with, that they are truly not alone, you know, that they really truly are not alone. I look at the more sensationalized stories of people like Kate Spade or Robin Williams who Mm -hmm. were mega famous, um, mega wealthy, and money doesn't solve problems, right? I'm a huge believer in that. You could have all the wealth in the world and still be the most miserable person on the planet. Um, But sometimes having an abundance of things in one category also means you have a void of a lot of significant things in other areas of life. Mm -hmm. Um, And for people that can just sort of uh, command their own... um, their own solitude. And, you know, I I think of people like Robin Williams, and I don't know all of his story in terms of what was going on in his head. No one knows that, right? But when you have that kind of money, you can basically pay people to leave you alone (laughs) and be secluded and isolated. And, you know, so those are the big points for me when I think about, you know, people who don't have others that they've let in um, to really know, yeah, I I don't have to talk to you right now, but I'm going to be in this room. I'll be sitting in the corner. I'll read a book. I'll just hang out. You don't have to speak to me. You can turn your back to me, but I'm going to be in this room. And those are people that you want to just let them be there even if you have nothing to say, even if you don't know how to say it, even if you cry for five hours straight and you go through a whole Kleenex box and you do the ugly cry and snot is falling, you know, everywhere. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just let someone be in the house while you do that, do it in a different room, you know? Um, But just knowing that there is that presence eventually will help you to, um, break through some of that. I, I really do believe that. Just, the the dangerous thing is being isolated
0: absolutely i'd like to talk a little bit as well about your experience in the music industry while dealing with this do you ha- do you find any parallels with how christian culture looks at and deals with mental illness and how the music industry deals with it
1: yeah um you know it's interesting cuz y- you also look at these cases of of young talent that are gone too soon, um, a lot of music artists, sadly, whether it 's an instantaneous suicide or what I would call a slow death um, it 's funny because my undergraduate degree is in psychology, and mm-hmm. I think I chose that path partly because I wanted to better understand myself <laughs> um, and partly because i 'm just fascinated by human beings and behavior and what motivates us. And one of my professors helped me to really sort of crack open my brain in a way that hadn't been done before. And that is to say, you know, so often when we talk about mental health and we talk about suicide in particular, we tend to define it according to an act, a singular act, where someone has taken their life or they've attempted to take their life, whether it's through you know, using um, a weapon or um, taking pills or you know something like that. But what about those cases when someone knowingly is consuming too much alcohol and they have passed their limit? They're no longer just a little tipsy, but they're definitely in the red. And they choose to get behind the wheel of a car. Right. Was it an accident? Or were they really sort of seeking for something devastating to happen? Right. Mm. Same thing with people who become addicted to drugs and who self-medicate for a long time and who understand because they're bright individuals, they're intelligent beings, they learned at some point in their life, you know, that there's a reason that mom and dad didn't serve me opium during breakfast, you know, or during dinner for dessert. Like those are substances that we are not supposed to to take. And and yet you get into this spiral where you're like, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to do this because it's solving some other issue for me because it's a balm because it's a, a salve that is sort of covering a different wound it's a slow death right but we don't often label it as such to me those are suicide attempts that are being broadcast <laughs> for the world to see yeah. um, and so when you look at the the young talent that leaves our planet um in that way i think For me personally, it means there may be just a little bit more forthright about their struggle and what they dealt with whereas in some of the religious circles It's more clandestine. It's not really spoken about openly and people um, may suffer more in silence because you're supposed to be happy you're supposed to you know be more than a conqueror and, and you can do all things and you know you're supposed to have this sort of life of an overcomer and that is a process. It's not a singular event, right? Um, it, we, in our, in my faith um, tradition, I understand what Christianity means and what Christ did for me and for others, um, but His singular act didn't necessarily mean I won't still have a daily struggle or something that I have to combat all the time Um, and I think there's this stigma that well you're supposed to just be okay you know and going to church solves everything it doesn't Mm -hmm.
2: solve
1: it yeah it teaches a lot of things but it doesn't solve a lot of things right Um, and so I think that's the clear difference is on the one hand you've got people who feel they can't just openly say but this is still a struggle for me or I'm dealing with this or, you know, how do I combat this? And quite frankly, a lot of people in clergy are not trained to deal with those things yeah, because that is not taught in theological schools or seminary in some of those circles. You may know the Bible inside and out doesn't mean that you're licensed to practice psychology. Right.
0: (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) So it, what do you think that as a culture as a whole, but also specifically in religion, uh, we can do to make this topic less taboo and be more open about it so that people don't feel like they have to live up to you know, a higher expectation that's taught in your religious community or just go on suffering in silence, but instead they can open up about it in a safe space?
1: Yeah, I think it's incumbent upon people first to find the right fit. Right? Sometimes mm-hmm. we try to put ourselves as a square peg in a round hole and think, well, everyone else around me seems to be happy and joyful and they're getting something out of it, or, you know, mom and dad like it here, therefore I should stay here. There's a point uh, where there's a coming of age, and maybe if it's not a fit for you, you're like, yeah, you know what, this served its purpose, but I need to go over here where. I feel something different and I gravitate to something different and it's helping me. If you're in a place where you feel like it's really not doing much for you and you're just going through the motions, I think that's the first sign of maybe it's time to pivot um, and go somewhere where you're getting more out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for people to also recognize that no one in that organization is perfect, least of all, The pastor, right? Um, I know I was guilty for a long time, again, with my father being a pastor. He's actually um, a bishop in um, another part of the country, and he has jurisdiction over a number of different churches and whatnot. And for the longest time, I held that against him, that you know, because he has these titles and because he has this platform, he should have been present in my life and he should have known better than to just leave me with this sense of abandonment. But I've come to learn over time and maturity that he's a human being just like anyone else. He's got flaws and he's susceptible to his own pitfalls and, and he's had to struggle with his own demons. They're not perfect people. And sometimes- yeah put them on a pedestal that they don't belong on. Um, and so we're sometimes guilty of creating this dynamic of, yeah, but you're a leader and therefore you should have all the answers. Uh-uh, no, that's not true. Don't yes. look for a man yeah. or a woman to give you all of the answers and all the advice to life and to know everything that is, uh, again, even going to be halfway specific to what you're dealing with. That's why we need to open our minds to the medical professionals in the community that do deal with mental health. And I think there should be more alliances between the church and them bringing to light the resources that are available for people and to admit, this is where the buck stops. I can teach you theologically about different things that will help you maybe embrace or understand or have a better um, way of interpreting the, the faith journey that you're on, but when it comes to real hard-hitting mental health issues, we're gonna need to bring in a professional. And that's okay, it's not like, if you've got a, a project in your house, if you suck at painting <laughs> and you can't get you know, lines straight or your paint goes up to your ceiling instead of <laughs> the wall, you might want to hire someone and you're yeah. not cost you a lot of money and you'll be really happy with results in the end. Right. Yeah. I would never try to do tile floors in my house because I do not do those types of construction projects. I suck at it. Like, yeah, I, I've tried to plaster walls when I put holes in them putting artwork up and it looks bulky. Like <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you have to know when it's time, to call it a professional. And I think we don't give ourselves enough grace um, and latitude to say it's okay to admit that this is an area of my health that I need someone else who may have studied this field and who's really adept at tuning in and helping me sort of get through some things and, and putting things in perspective. That it's okay to call that person right you're not a failure because you've been living with your brain since you were born we're all still trying to figure this thing out you know Absolutely. it's an, it's a highly complex organism our brains in the way you know it makes us do things or not do things and you know we have all of these other influences that um we don't always have the ability to put two and two together to understand why we are motivated by some things and not others or, you know, just, yeah, that would be my advice.
0: Yeah. That's great advice. And thank you for, you know, shedding some light on that and sharing your insight, because I think that is really, really something that could help someone who's kind of stuck in a place and they feel like they maybe need to stay where they are, but they really know they shouldn't um, to know that you can look outside, you can move, you can change your situation. You don't have to feel guilty about that. Exactly. Don't allow other people's, um ideas
1: and and look and maybe it works for them and that's great but don't allow that to dictate where your path tells you you should go right um i'm a firm believer that there are seasons for everything and for and for even relationships and people that we have in our lives and sometimes they run their course and it's time to then move to the next thing
0: yeah so, how has your journey impacted your music?
1: Great question.
0: I have become a lot more vulnerable,
1: um, believe it or not. Um, and there's a stigma that's tied to being depressed, or um, you know, finding yourself feeling different than what you observe the rest of the world around you doing, or even in your own family. Uh, you know, my mom has admitted. She's dealt with depression in the past. My sister has dealt with depression in the past. Um, You know, when you hear people talk about genetic predisposition to different things like alcoholism, um, you do have to, uh, again, trace it and understand that it's rooted in depression. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm no longer surprised to hear, you know, that there are things that I may have struggled with, that my mom also struggled with, that her father would have struggled with, and that you know, gets sort of passed down from generation to generation. Right. But that doesn't mean we have to accept that as our legacy either, right? Yes. And we have to break the cycle of holding it in silence because I didn't know these things about my mom until recently, like within the last 10 years, I want to say. But growing up, all we knew is she was trying to be a single mom with the help of my grandmother and just, you know, power through and be a strong woman and be independent. And I took that away, but I didn't see the times when she really struggled um, because she didn't want us to be overwhelmed by whatever she was overwhelmed with. Right. Right. Um, But I think that's how I've moved forward in my music and in my journey is to open up and talk about it and say, I don't care if people want you to stand in front of a church and say, I'm sorry, I should have been more of a model citizen. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be a model citizen. So let's talk about the things that we struggle with and really be open about that and honest about my experiences and saying, yeah, I've dealt with this. And yes, I've been depressed. And yes, I've had a miscarriage and I've never had a baby. And I I question God. And and it's okay to sometimes raise your fist to the sky and say, I don't get it because that's part of life is figuring it out and figuring out what your place is in the world and and to openly accept your flaws and those moments where you're in a low place along with the highs because you can celebrate them even more once you've been able to recognize how far you've come.
0: Absolutely. Now, I know that your latest release, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, touches on these themes. So can you talk about the album as well as the song I Gotta Know and how you touch on these themes throughout the whole thing? Yeah. So I Gotta Know kicks
1: off the project with really sort of a... funky element of in your face, like, you know, you've got all these questions, things don't seem to be going right. You're questioning where God is and all of this. I got to know, I got to know, I got to know. And then throughout, it just talks about getting back to a place in my um, faith walk and hopefully what some other people can relate to as, um, okay, I didn't understand and now I'm, I'm searching again for where God is in my life. I'm trying to get connected. Um, you know, there's themes like My Destiny, um, which is one of the, the tracks on the album that my husband actually wrote about being a place where you felt like you couldn't really connect with God or even serve him or worship him. Um, But knowing that ultimately everything that you've dealt with and have contended with is a part of your destiny, the good, the bad, the ugly, and that it all really ties together into this beautiful tapestry of our unique life experiences um, that make us better and stronger ultimately in the end. Um, I even talk about, and this is a song that's really dear to my heart, not just because I wrote it, but because I felt like, you know what, if I'm going to go there on this project, I might as well just go there. (laughs) Um, But there's a song called Sugar Rush, Mm -hmm. which is um, analogous to the church going experience where people are seeking this high seeking this euphoria. Um, Again, in my faith tradition, going to a church that's very expressive and there's music and there's uh, sometimes praise dancers. It's sort of an elaborate production at times, right? Mm -hmm. I use that word deliberately. um, (laughs) It can be, and I'm sure you've seen this, whether it's on a TV screen or YouTube or whatever, right? Yeah. And some movies have even sort of poked fun at it, Um, but it really is reality that there's this, you know, high production value church going experience and you have to sit back and wonder, okay, did people come because they want a part of that hype? They want to feel good. They want that rush, you know, that sugar rush, that high. What happens once you leave? Did you learn how to deal with your problems after you went home? Do you go back and you binge um, on whatever your vice is? Did you learn how to get past whatever has been bothering you all week? Did you understand for yourself how you can be stronger in different ways? Like if those are the things that you didn't leave with, what was your motivation to go in the first place? And why are you going somewhere where those things have Captured your attention and you didn't really push deeper to have a, a true um, Life-changing moment, right? So Sugar Rush really sort of talks about those themes of you came to get the high If you, you experienced that but what do you have after all of that is over and once the high is gone You come back down to planet Earth, right? Yeah. Um, so it's it's very thought-provoking <laughs> I would dare say maybe just a, a tinge uh, controversial um, <laughs> and I'm not being dogmatic towards anyone's church or, you know, how they, they may choose to operate, but I am calling into question what we've become, you know, as a, a label of, you know, Christians or or this realm of Christianity What has it evolved into? And is that really the model of church that Christ himself educated us about when we read his teachings in the Bible? Most of his, well, all of his miracles were performed on the street outside the church. They weren't contained in the four walls of building. Mm -hmm. When you look at his life and what he did and what he taught his disciples and the people that he reached and those that were um, really sort of on the shadows and the margins of society, they were not people that he met in a church service where he stood behind a pulpit and brought a message. Yeah. So yeah. if we really want to get back to the truth, <laughs> then those are the things that I think we have to challenge ourselves to start our thinking and ask those tough questions. And, and that's why I went there with that song, Sugar Rush. It's like, what is this all about? Because this mm-hmm. right here and the hype and the, you know, uh, electronics and the big screens and the music and that
0: has nothing to do with what we're
1: supposed to be focusing on.
0: Yeah. I love that. Amazing. So where can we listen to this whole album and where can we connect with you further, Anita?
1: Yeah. So I would love if people came to my website. It's www.anitafaye. F-A-Y-E. First name is Um, A-N-I-T-A, anitafay.com. And then you'll find links to various outlets. So my music is on iTunes. uh, It's on Amazon. It's on CD Baby. Uh, People can pick it up at the Google store. um, And I have links to all of that on the website.
0: Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so glad we had this conversation and I hope that everyone who's listening, whether they are a person of faith or not, got some value, I know that they did, (laughs) got some value out of this. Um, So thank you so much for just being so open and sharing your story.
1: Thank you, I really had a good time talking to you and I, I certainly hope it helps someone along the way.
0: And now here is I Gotta Know by Anita Fay.
2: What do you do when you've run out of prayer? Seems the Lord doesn't care. See, I really want to know because it's a matter of the state of my soul. So what?